morning, everyone. Are you all right? Good. <laughs> Not are you? No. <laughs> it's really nice to be here with you this morning. It's always great to connect with you. I've, I've, I've met one or two of you over the past few years as you've been to various bits and pieces, and it's nice to meet the rest of you. Has anybody got any problems this morning? Anybody got any problems? Just two of us. The rest of you are what we call liars. Uh, <laughs> Anybody, let's try again. Anybody got any problems? Anybody got any problems? It's not like we're going to start sharing them or anything like that. Some of you are going, well, I'm not, I'm not going to let you know my problems, you complete stranger. But I, I, have, I have a few problems. I have a few problems. And I don't know why I did this, but one day I thought, I'm going to Google problems. <laughs> Anybody ever Googled problems? No, you're not, you're not liars, are you? You never really have Google problems. And uh, I, I came against this list, or came up, up with this list, or saw this list rather, of the 30 top British problems. The 30 top British problems. And I thought, I thought I'd just um, share one or two of them with you this one. We're not going to go for all 30, because uh, uh, we haven't got time, okay? But I thought I'd, I'd just see. So I, I had a little look at this top 30 British problems. And I identified what were like my top 10. The top 10 out of that top 30 that I identify with. And I thought what we'd do this morning is we'd have a little bit of audience interaction and uh, see which ones you identify with. So I'm going to tell you the problem and then we're going to ask for a little show of hands and you can tell me whether you identify with this problem. Okay, here we go. Not quite catching someone's name, meaning you can never speak to them again. Anybody with that one? Yeah? Okay. Not, not too much of a problem in church, because you can normally opt for brother or sister, can't you? And that, that normally, normally deals with it, doesn't it? We're all right with that one. Uh, number two, love this one. Number two, realising you've entered the wrong shop, and having to pretend to look around for a bit. Anybody? Yes. Quite a few of us on that one. Uh, I do this one all the time. And like, I do it, but I'm aware I'm doing it. And try to tell myself not to do it, but I do it all the time. Being incapable of placing your items on the counter in the shop without saying, just these please. Anybody? Yeah. Not, not as many with that one. Okay. Uh, number four, going into a pub to, oh, let me explain, a pub, because um, we're in church. Um, a, a pub's a bit like Costa, but a bit more pungent, a bit more pungent, only a little bit. Okay, I reckon, I reckon if you're honest, you've done this one. Going into, uh, going into a pub to use the loo and pretending to look for a friend all the way into the toilet. Yes, yes. Oh, being guilty of that one, aren't we? Ah, here we go. Worrying you'll be suspected a thief if exiting a shop without making a purchase. Anybody? Like, this is what I go into a shop, have a little look around, think, no, nothing for me. And this is how I then walk out. <laughs> Honestly, all that, I'm not even joking. I mean, that makes you look like a thief, doesn't it, by the way? Um, so, ah, okay, right. I'm gonna, this, I think, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to put it out there. I think this one is predominantly uh, women. 
All right, hear me out. I love the fact that the man's going, ooh. I love that. Really good. Okay, so I do. Okay, here we go. You'll see why I've put it on the stand in a minute. Um, saying you're pleased with your haircut, despite the deep inner sadness it's causing you. <laughs> yeah. See, in the main, any fellas, lovely, lovely. I like that one. It's true, though, isn't it? It's like you have your haircut, and then, and then this happens. Do you like that, madam? Like that, madam? Yeah, yeah, love it. Nice, madam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, love it. Nice, madam. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Outside. <laughs> yeah? So you know, you know what I mean with that one? Okay, what else have we got? Okay. Um, oh, okay. The shock of tasting Earl Grey tea when you expected otherwise, yeah? That one? That one? Yes. Um... Okay, who does this one? Attempting to deal with a cue jumper by staring fiercely at the back of their head. Anybody do that one? Yeah. It's true, and it? it's like this. Like this goes like. So somebody jump cue jump. I've actually, I've actually done that. All right, I did that once, right? And somebody turned around. Oh, I did so. As I started twitching more, that freaked them out. Okay. <laughs> running, oh yeah, yeah, now this is true. Running out of ways to say thanks when a succession of doors are held open for you. Having already deployed, cheers, ta, nice one. Anybody done that one? Yes. And this, this is my all-time favourite. Deeming it necessary to do a little jog over zebra crossings whilst throwing an apologetic mini wave. Anybody... <laughs> Yeah, this is how that one goes, okay? It's like this one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah? Or my mate, I've got a mate, this is no word of a lie, I've got a mate, he does this, look, he does it. It's a big zebra crossing, this, by the way, isn't it? It's over the M1, isn't it? So remember, we shrink it down, make it more of a side road, zebra crossing. My mate does this. My right of way. My right of way. <laughs> <laughs> he actually does. I was with him once. I was with him once. And he did this. He did this. He went. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry. How good is that? How good is that? Press mute, press mute without realising. I'm a professional. I think I'd use these microphones before, wouldn't you? But I love that, I love that. And, and I guess if we're all honest, we, we all see things as problems. And some of us see, like, problems the same as other people, don't we? Like, you, you might mention a problem. Have you noticed you mention a problem with, to somebody and they go, you see that as a problem. Mention it to somebody else and they go, yeah, I know what you mean. I totally know what you mean. So I, it's, it's interesting. And I don't know if you know this. You, you may not have actually ever considered this. But God's got a few problems too. I've noticed this. I know that seems a little bit weird to say that God's got some problems, but he has. He, he sees a few problems. And, and I thought this morning, just for the time that I've got available, I might, I might just kind of let you into one or a few of these problems because I think they can really, really help us. So here's the first one. The first problem is that science can explain how we got here, but it can't tell us what we do now we are here. Now please, I'm not, I'm not here to have a stab at science this morning. I, I think science is the most amazing thing. I love it. And I think the older I've got, 
the more I appreciate it. Especially because I've got things like Apple Watches and iPads. I'm very grateful to science and technology. So I'm not here to have a, a pop a bit. But I think there's a problem because I think we overemphasize its importance. Did you know that I was born largely through no choice of my own? Hmm? Did you know that? If you're not sure how that happened, two options, Google it. Or come and see us at the information desk and we'll explain. <laughs> because it's amazing what you can find out down there. It really, really is. So I was born largely through no choice of my own. And, and, I, and I'm planning to die largely through no choice of my own. Okay? Okay. But... I've kind of got to make the thing that happens between the birth that I never asked for and the death that I'm now going to get that I don't particularly want. And I've got to make the whole of that stuff in between, which we affectionately called life, I've got to make that work all through my own choices. Do you ever feel a bit dumped on? Do you know what I mean? He's like, I didn't ask for any of this, and now I'm here, and I've got to make it all work. You see, I see that as a bit of a problem, and that's why I, I get into lots of conversations with people from all walks of life, and, and I love it. I get into conversations with people that, that are believers, and some people that aren't believers, and some people that are not really very sure where they stand, because sometimes they see things that cause them maybe to think there may be a God, and other things that they see might cause them to believe there isn't a God. And I get involved in all sorts of conversations. Now, back in the day, I used to get into lots of debates about whether God made the world or whether it was the Big Bang or whether it was like evolution or whether it was... Do you know what? I'm not really bothered anymore. Can I tell you why? I've got all on working out what I do. Now I am here. I'm not going to waste my time trying to work out how I got here. All I know is that God wants me here. That's what I know. And I don't know where you are in your journey of life and faith this morning. But I tell you what, God wants you here. He wants you here. And I love that thought. Um, I, I was, I was uh, reading... A little bit of confession. Does anybody remember Reader's Digest? It's a quick show of hands. That was a very quick show of hands, wasn't it? People going, yeah, but I'm not really wanting anybody to have a video in it. And uh, I, I love Reader's Digest. Not, not the whole thing, but I read it because there's this one little section that my friends used to send me copies of Reader's Digest because they know I love this kind of thing and it's, it was called, it went under different na names at different times but it was basically like true life stories, you know, do you remember it, yeah, and the, I think at one time it was called Life's Like That, yeah, that was the kind of heading and uh, my mate sent me this one and I loved it, it, it said um, a, an open air preacher made a, st now for those of you who don't know what a, an open air preacher is, an open air preacher is a preacher <clears throat> that preaches in the open air. Has that brought clarity? I really feel that sense of confusion has disappeared out of the room now. So this open air preacher made a statement in Hyde Park on Speaker's Corner. Have you heard of Speaker's Corner? For those of you who don't know, Speaker's Corner is where you go and speak. It's on a corner. Again, confusion dismissing as I speak. But it's a little bit more than that. It's like you take your speaking life 
into your own hands if you go and speak at Speaker's Corner because it's a little bit merciless. And this preacher, this Christian guy was out there speaking and preaching on Preacher's Corner. And he, this was what he said and it was a sentence straight out of the Bible which informs us as human beings why we're actually here. And this, this sentence is this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then there's an extra bit which says, and you two are to love your neighbour as yourself. He didn't get on to that second bit. He got to the end of, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And a heckler shouted out, that's rubbish. Science has proved that the human heart is just a pump. Just a pump. All as it does is it pumps blood around. Here endeth my medical knowledge. It pumps blood around. That's all it does. And uh, the, I love the Eckler's reply. It's the sort of reply that you and I might think of in sort of three, four weeks' time. You ever done that? When somebody said something to you three, four weeks later, you go, oh, why can't I have said that in the moment? And uh, he said, the preacher said, are you married? The man said, yes. The preacher then said to him, go home and tell your wife you love her with all your pump. <laughs> See what sort of response that gets. I mean, just imagine that. It's like, I've, I've come away this morning. I, I, I saw the clan very briefly. As before I exited the premises, I took them up a little hot, tasty beverage. And uh, then I'm coming up and um, I, I'm going to see them again at some point. They're out this afternoon. Imagine they come back at five o'clock and I open up the door and I go, Robin, Natalie, Emma, I love you with all my pump doesn't really carry it does it It just kind of feels a bit short really but but the truth is if we are to believe that nobody really intended us to be here forget the, the, the process let's let's not get caught up on that distraction if we believe that nobody really intended us to be here and and everything that we are is just a product of something that happened with no real plan I am not surprised that we live in a world where people don't feel very meaningful because you know what if that is the case our heart it is just a pump it is just a, a biological machine ramming blood around our body to keep us going for a period of time between the period that we were born through no choice of our own and we die largely through no choice of our own. And in fact, if that is all we are, then what is the point anyway of even asking if there's any meaning or purpose? But what that preacher talked about when he referenced that sentence out of the Bible is why we are here to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and with all of our might, and to love our neighbour as ourself. Now it's interesting. I think lots of people do the second part really, really well, faith or no faith. I, I, I have a fairly positive outlook on humanity. I think most of us are decent folk giving it our best shot. I do. And I think most folk actually... And I think we see that in, in times of great challenge in the world, don't we, where we could focus on the nastiness, but you see humanity rising up and just blowing you away with its charity and its love and its kindness. 
And do you know what? I think when human beings love their neighbours as themselves, I actually think it brings a smile to the face of God. Whoever we are, faith or no faith, I think it's a good thing. I think God's happy with it. The problem is, if we only just love our neighbours ourselves and we don't do the other bit, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and might, we miss out on something incredible, which is actually connection with God. You see, God made us to love him, to put him in first place. But as human beings, we've kind of said, God, I'm really not that bothered about that. I just kind of want to do my own thing and think about me first and love my neighbour as myself. But you know what? God is calling every one of us, wherever you are in your journey of life and faith today, I want to say to you right now in this moment, God is calling to you saying, come on, come and follow me. Come and love me. Put me in first place in your life. He wants you to leave a life without him and get connected in to a life with him. Why? Because it's a life of purpose. It's a life of meaning. It's a life that gives deep meaning, deep spiritual satisfaction. The very thing every one of us really wants is founding God. And the doorway into that is by saying, God, I'm really sorry I've lived life without you and I've done my own thing. I, I, I want to now connect with you. I, I, I want to now make you the most important person in my life. And when we do that, that's when we find real meaning as human beings. I'm going to explain a little bit more towards the end of my talk how you can do that for yourself, even this very morning. Because if we don't, it's a problem. The second thing I want to chat to you about is uh, medicine can cure the physical, but it can't cure the spiritual. Now, let me just say, I'm not here to have a pop at medicine this morning. Can I just say to you, I've got ailments. Has anybody got any ailments? Give us a show of hands. You're messed up people. That's what I'm knowing this morning. I've got, I've, got some, I've got some ailments. Would you like to know? You better say yes, because it ruins the next six minutes of the talk if you say no. Okay, my doctor friend over there is going, no, this is a day off for me. I'm fed up of listening to people's ailments. What I thought I'd tell you, thank you for asking. Um, so I take a few tablets. I'm, I say it like I'm boastful. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply unhappy that I've got to take them, but I've got some stuff. And I'm not going to lie to you. Some of it's caused by my good self. Like I've got uh, type 2 diabetes. Some of you are going, no, surely that's only for overweight people. Don't like that laughter. You're making your own jokes up now. I'm a little bit concerning. It's not in my notes as a joke. Didn't put audience laughter here, but there you go. That's up, that's up to you. So I've got type, type 2 diabetes. Uh, I've got gout. Oh, yeah, but not normal gout. Some people have gout mainly in one joint, the toe, typically. I've got polyarticular gout. Yeah. Poly, many, articular joints, gout in many joints. Got some allopurinol to keep it abated. It's working good. Thank you for asking. See your concern. <laughs> Not concerned at all, are you? No, okay. She's therapy for me right now, to be honest with you. Um, what else have I got? Arthritis. I've had that since I was kind of about 38, 39. So uh, that, I'm on tablets for that. I'm really grateful to medicine because it makes my life a whole lot easier. Oh, yeah, dry eye. Got dry eye. Not dry eye man, no, but I like that. <laughs> yeah, do I remember seeing your name in the notes? Anyway, okay. <laughs> no, it's good that I like that. Uh, I've got dry So dry eye, uh, I've got no tears in my right eye. I noticed that these tears 
drained just after I got married. And, um, <laughs> no, stop it. You're twisting my words, aren't you? You're twisting my words. So I've got no, like you've got different types of tears. And the ones that I've, 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 I've gotten on of is the, the tears that lubricate my eyes. So it's like I've constantly got grit in my eye. And that was weird. I got diagnosed by dry eye, not by an eye specialist. Work that one if you can. There might be an answer to it. I didn't know. I went down to, well, my doctor sent me down to, I don't know if you know this, eye casualty. Did you know that eye has its own casualty? I was shocked to find this out. So I'm sent down, I walk in like this. Now you've got to understand, it had been a, it had been a journey of about 18 months and my, my eye was, it was like almost closed. You know conjunctivitis? It was like that, but, but really, really bad. It was swollen. I could hardly open it. It's incredibly light sensitive. And, and I walked in like this. Following signs, eye casualty. So I follow the signs for eye casualty. I'm not going back. Follow the signs. Get to eye. Ah, welcome to eye casualty. I thought, great, this is eye casualty. I walked up, no word of a lie, I walked up to the reception desk. It, it said above it, eye casualty reception. I walked into eye casualty reception. I looked at the lady in the, in, in the desk, in the eye, with me eye. And I said, I said to her, here we go. <laughs> and I looked at her, she said, now, sir, what appears to be the problem? <laughs> and I'm thinking, surely you shouldn't be working here. I mean, like, we've narrowed it down. Eye casualty, eye casualty reception. I said, I've got a problem with me eye. She said, oh, right. Which eye is it? <laughs> I said, why don't you have a guess, love? Do you know what I mean? Why don't you have a guess? Anyway, I went through. This went on for ages. I haven't got time to tell you the whole story. I went through. They couldn't diagnose. And eventually, like a couple of years later, I go for this, for the arthritis, which had come in after. Oh, it's complicated. I'm running out of time to tell you all. But essentially, I went in to get my joints diagnosed. And the lady said to me, yeah, that's not, it's not just the arthritis. You've got the polyarticular gout. How's your eye? I said, what, because by now I'd got, some, I'd got some eye drops which helped it a little bit. She said, what do you mean? She said, I notice your eye looks a little bit. I said, well, yeah, it is a little bit. She said, that's probably to do with it. And she told me. She's like, I go to a joint specialist and she diagnoses me eye. I went to the eye people. They couldn't diagnose it. I mean, they told me there was something wrong with my elbow. And I'm thinking, they're getting this mixed up here. I think they've got the signs all wrong. That's what it is. He was just bonkers. Listen, all I wanted that day, because if you've ever had a, have you ever had a piece of grit in your eye it, it, or an eyelash? Have you ever had an eyelash in your eye? You have an eyelash in your eye. It feels like you've got a beam in there, doesn't it? It's like, oh, it's really painful, really irritating, really sore. In fact, actually, I couldn't even see properly with it. I was so sensitive to everything. All I wanted was a diagnosis of the problem, but they couldn't give me a diagnosis of the problem there. I ended up getting a diagnosis of the problem from somewhere else. And when I did, listen, it's not completely healed now, but life is so much better because I got the right diagnosis for the problem. I love medicine. 
When I say that, not in some kind of addictive way, hashtag just saying, I do, I love it. Do you know why I love it? Because when you get the diagnosis and they give you some medicine, man, it adds to your quality of life. Anybody know what I mean? When you get the right diagnosis and the right medicine, life feels so much better. Medicine can cure the physical, but the sadness is it can't cure the spiritual. Only God can cure the spiritual. And every single one of us has a sickness of our soul. When I first became a Christian in 1982-83, it was very big in the Christian world that there were, I don't know where the lady's gone with the t-shirts, but there was loads of Christian t-shirts. Most of them I never understood. Most of them I never understood. But there was one t-shirt and I remember it really, really well. He said, you can go to heaven with a sick body, but you can't go to heaven with a sick soul. And what it meant is, the only way we can get into heaven is by allowing God to clean and cure our soul. Every one of us, if we don't know God and we're separated from God because of the things that we do and because we leave him out, actually that creates a sickness of our soul and medicine can't touch that. But here's the brilliant thing, Jesus can cure the physical and the spiritual. In fact, he was once called the great physician. And what I've noticed about Jesus, it doesn't need some kind of team to consult what do we think the problem is here. He, he's, not, he's not a consultant. He, he's not just a team member. He's an expert. He knows exactly what the situation is in our lives. And not only that, but he can and wants to heal us. For those of you who are familiar with the Bible, if you wanted to just kind of flick through the pages of your Bible, you'll understand what I mean if I say turn to Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. If you want to flick to that, you can do I'm, I'm going to read a few sentences from that little part of the Bible. For those of you who don't know the Bible that well, can't find your way around, that's absolutely fine. Let me just read to you these sentences that talk about Jesus. And, and the way Jesus was acting... So some people found it a bit of a problem, but actually it wasn't a problem. Let, let me read these to you. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They saw that as a problem. They couldn't understand it. Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick I've not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. Now, there's a few little cheeky religious words in there. Let me sum those religious words up for those of you who are here today and don't really know your, what the Bible talks about all those words. Basically, what Jesus said is, I've not come for those who are well and whole and don't need me. I've come for those who do need me. The inference is that everybody needs me. Why? Because only Jesus can bring healing to that deep thing. You know that deep thing inside us that nothing really can touch? That deep down stuff that occasionally we may think of or you may be thinking about it all the time. You know that bit in you that wonders why we're here? That deep stuff. That bit in you that wonders what's life really all about? That deeper stuff? Only that can be answered 
and filled by Jesus. Jesus can and does heal the spiritual. What you've heard this morning from the lady who uh, shared her story is of how Jesus healed that spiritual, of how he makes whole the real us, the deep inside us. And it's interesting because the Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. Seems bonkers. But to those who are dying, to those who are perishing, to those who actually want God, it's, it's life, it's power, it brings healing. I don't know where you're at in your journey of life this morning, but I want to say to you with great passion and great excitement and great enthusiasm and great conviction, the simple truth that Jesus is the great physician who heals the spiritual. And I am thankful to announce this morning, he also heals the physical. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything physical, emotional, wherever you are in your journey of life of faith, come and let us know. We'd love to stand with you because we believe in a God. We believe in a Jesus that heals. But the critical thing that needs healing is our soul. 2,000 years ago when Jesus turned upon planet earth, I love what he did. He went around touching and healing people. He went around bringing purpose and bringing fulfilment to people. He went around impacting people. He went around curing people. It says of all kinds of diseases. He went around doing good. And he went around talking about the fact that it's possible for us to know God. He lived a life that was incredible and then the Bible tells us he was taken onto a cross by hum, human hands. But it wasn't just the human hands of the day, it's the, the human hands of this day. That every one of us took Jesus to the cross to take the punishment for not just the wrong in our life, but the fact that we've lived life without God. I love the love of God because he never gives us what we deserve. Never. And Jesus took the punishment for the wrong of the whole world. That would have been great. But what's even greater <laughs> is that three days after he died, he came back alive. See, Jesus died so we could be forgiven and came back alive so we could live. Ladies and gentlemen, here this morning, I want to say to you, in Jesus, there is real life. Real life. It's not just about God calling you out of life without him and forgiving you for what you've done in the past. It's not just about that. It is about that, but not just about that. It's about giving you something for the here and now and a cause and a purpose and a life worth living for the here and now and the future. He doesn't just rescue us from something. He calls us into something. And here's what I have discovered that I get this wonderful privilege of taking this message that has impacted my life to a place where it can impact other people's lives. Where God has transformed me, I get the opportunity to be involved in transforming other people. When God's impacted me in my life and met my needs and done things that I need him to do, when I've connected with him, he takes me to help others to get what they need. So we're not just being rescued from something. Though that would be great. We're being rescued for something. When you become a Christian, you sign up to become a person that God uses, that God works through. It is an incredible privilege. An incredible privilege. 
Science can tell us how we got here, but it can't tell us what we do. Now we are here. Medicine can cure the physical, but it can't cure the spiritual. And I just want to land my thoughts with you this morning and say religion can tell you what to do, but it can't help you to do it. I read this great story. Now, I'm going to put this out to the jury as to whether this is true or not. All right. I, I don't know. I'd like to think it was true. Um, but I came across it and it was about a, a couple who had two primary school age children, boys. How many of you know that boys can be a bit mischievous? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And these boys certainly fitted that stereotype. They lived in this town, or in this village rather, where if anything went wrong, they were normally involved in some way. And uh, the parents were getting to their wits' end. They didn't know what to do, who to turn to. And the, the lady had heard through conversation over the school gate that there'd been a new minister of a church who'd come into town who had a track record at helping young people that were a bit delinquent or kicked out of school. And the mum and dad, they, they, weren't a, they weren't a Christian couple. They weren't God people. They didn't go to church. But they were at their wits' end, so they thought they'll give it a whirl because what have we got to lose anyway? So they made contact with them, and the minister agreed to see the young children. And uh, this, this is what happened. The eight-year-old boy went in to meet him first, and the clergyman sat the boy down and asked him sternly, Where is God? The boy made absolutely no response. So the clergyman repeated the question, this time with a little bit more fervor, a little bit more kind of power. Where is God? The, the young boy didn't make any response whatsoever. So this time the clergyman got up on his feet, he stamped his fist down on the table and, and raised his voice significantly. Where is God? At that, the young boy pelted from his study, ran all the way home, back into the house, up the stairs, into his bedroom. The older primary school child was slightly concerned. He came into the bedroom of the young and said, and what, what happened? What happened? The young boy said, we are in big trouble now. God is missing. And they think we've done it. <laughs> Who thinks it's a true story? Who thinks it's not a true story? Okay, some of you haven't put your hand up. Who's not bothered? Okay, oh, a lot more hands would go up. The apathy is palpable. Do you know the truth is, I, I, I guess, in a loving and, and caring way, not in a kind of aggressive this way this morning, I just want to say to you, where is God? Because if he is missing in your life, it kind of is my fault that he's missing in my life. It's your fault that he's missing in your life. Because actually, God even this morning wants to get involved with our life. You see, I'm not talking about religion, because that's just a whole set of rules and regulations that, quite frankly, I ain't bothered in. I can't do it. I can't do it, so I'm not going to sign myself up to something that I know I'm going to fail at. But when you connect with God... It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a framework for living. It's a focus. It's a new direction. It's life fulfilling. It's incredible. Uh, and actually, when you connect with God, he then empowers you to live in a way that actually, not just he wants, but actually a way that you want to live. 
I love this little sentence in the Bible that says, if anyone is in Christ, that means if anyone has stepped over from living life without God to following God, if anybody's in that place, they're a brand spanking new creation. It's like the old stuff, it's gone. There's a whole pile of new stuff that comes in. All the stuff we don't really want, we don't need, that tends to just go away. Some of it immediately, some of it takes a little while. But actually we get a new focus and God empowers us for living and right where you are this morning you you can connect with that God you can know what it means to live life with him to live a life without him and to start to live a life with him and I want to make you this promise when you connect with God it will blow you away not just what God does in you but what God does through you not just what God does for you but what God does for others through you it's never just about connecting with God for ourselves it's incredible and right now in this place not because well, it's not a church building is it but not because it's a church service God isn't here because it's a church service God is here because he kind of likes people he kind of likes you I mean, you might not like or love him, but he kind of likes and loves you. And this morning, he wants to connect with you. And all as it really takes to kind of start that next key journey, that journey of discovery, is for you where you are just to say one heartfelt yes to God. I mentioned at the beginning of my talk, I was going to give an opportunity to connect with God. And so I'm going to do that right now. I, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes and we're just going to uh, pray in a few moments time. But I want to just give an opportunity for you to say yes to God this morning because God's already said yes to you. That's the beautiful thing. The problem is <laughs> we just need to say yes to him. And when you say yes to him, you realise he, he brings purpose, the reason for living. He cures the spiritual and he gives us the power for living and living for him. So if you're here this morning, you've never said yes to God. Why don't you right now, not out loud, but just in the stillness and quietness of your own heart and mind. Well, why don't you say yes, God? Saying yes to God simply means you're saying yes, God. I don't want to live my life without you anymore. I want to live it with you. Saying yes to God simply means that you say, yes, God, I receive your forgiveness. Receive your love. Receive your son, Jesus, and his life. Saying yes to God simply means you're saying to God, yeah, with your help, I'm going to leave my life without you and start to live it with you. And God right now, whether you can hear him or feel him, is calling you to follow him literally right now God is appealing to you and saying follow me follow me you might not know it you might not feel it but he is so right where you are now if you've never said yes to God why don't you say yes to him right now just where you are not out loud just in the stillness and quietness of your own heart and mind yes God just say those words to him now. Yes, God. Yes, God. And as you're saying yes to God, understand, he's already said yes to you. He's welcoming you 
into connection with him. Yes, God. God, I pray for anybody here this morning who said yes to you. I pray that over the days and weeks and months that lie ahead, that they'll understand the significance of this moment as they begin to journey with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just before I hand back over, um, I'd like to offer you here, if you said yes to God this morning, yes to living life his way with his help, yes to receiving his love and forgiveness. I've, I've got a little booklet that I've written simply called The Journey. It's rammed full of a bunch of stories by people who explain things that they found helpful about helping them to continue when they've said yes to God. A few little practical tips. I'd love to, to give you one of those. It's completely free of charge. It's just my gift to you to help you over the next few days. At the end of uh, this service, which is very soon, I'm just going to kind of go around to the right hand, to your right, my left, to the connect, I guess that's right, isn't it? The connect table. And I've just got some of those booklets I'd love to get to you we'd like to help you so if it's okay with you we'll scribble your details down that we'll just use purely to help you along this journey would be if you don't want to give your details that's absolutely fine but please come and make sure that you get a booklet if you're a little bit nervy about it it's like, oh I don't really know you Mark I understand speak to the person that brought you it'll serve them right for doing it won't it speak to them and say hey listen and I know that that happens lots of times in fact just last Sunday I think yeah last Sunday there was about 12 people that said they'd said yes to God and half a dozen of those sent their mates along to come and get a booklet. The other six came and got one. So you're, you're not doing something that other people haven't done. So it's, it's fine. Just, just come and help us to, to help you. But I just want to say a couple of final things very, very quickly. It might be that you're here this morning and you say, Mark, I, I hear what you're saying. I've, I've listened to uh, the story of faith. I'm kind of thinking about things clearly because you're here. But I'm not quite ready to kind of say that big yes to God. That's fine. We'd still love to help you. You can say what I call a little yes. Because you see, I've noticed that for most people that become Christians, it happens over a period of time. And along that, little, along that journey, certain little things happen. It's, that's why I call it a little yes. What a little yes is, is about making an intentional decision to find out more. You may be saying it to God. You might just be saying it to yourself. But if you're here this morning, you think, yeah, I'm not ready to become a Christian. Do that big yes. But I know I've got to look into this. I know I've got to investigate it. Then we would love to help you too. Again, not, not everything will connect with you in this booklet, but some of the stories in there, some of the other bits and pieces you might find helpful. So if you're a little yes this morning, I'd still love to get one of these to you. It might be that you're here this morning and you're saying to me, Mark, I'm not really even a little yes this morning. I'm definitely not a big yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not really a little yes. I'm not really in that place where I want to start really investigating the Christian faith. I wonder if I might throw a gentle challenge out to you. If you're here today and open-minded about the Christian faith, could I ask you to make a commitment to remain open-minded about the Christian faith. If you're here today and you call yourself an open-minded person but you're not open-minded about the Christian faith, then arguably maybe you're not open-minded. So could I encourage you to make a commitment to become 
open-minded about the Christian faith. And again, if it would help you, we'd love to get you this little booklet. Again, just come up to me and see me. It's what I call a healthy maybe. It's a healthy maybe. I have loads of people who've come to me at the end of the meeting and say, I'm definitely, definitely one of those healthy maybe people. And a healthy maybe is just when it says, maybe there's something in this, but rather than just letting it dissipate and fade away, you just keep it on your agenda. Maybe you might come along to something at Christmas, to the pantomime or different things that happen. Just staying connected in some way, you know, maybe having some conversations. Whether you're a big yes or a little yes or a healthy maybe, if you're here this morning, love to get one of these to help you along that journey of life and journey of faith. Well, it's been an absolute delight and pleasure for me to be here with you this morning. Thank you so much for inviting me. Carl, you're, you're a really good pal, but thank you for trusting me in front of the folks that you lead. I really appreciate it. It's been an honour to meet with you. And if I can help you in any way, please come and touch base with us at the end of this meeting by the Connect table. Don't know why I felt the duty to do that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. God bless.